On 1116 SEN, the Four Diegos. G'day everyone and welcome to the Four Diegos here in 1116 SEN, Melbourne's home of sport. Rodrigo Rodriguez with you on this Wednesday night. Hey, and thanks to Finey. Good to hear Finey back on air um, and celebrating the new year with Zanners and Jeff Poulter, of course. And uh, interesting to hear them talk about all the old commentators. Uh, pretty <laughs> funny driving in. Uh, good work to the boys this evening. Vinny Venezuela, welcome to you. Thank you very much, Rodrigo. Good evening, everybody. Yes, and uh, Warren Diego, welcome back. Yeah, no, thanks. And you're lucky I'm here. Oh, of course I am. No, I'll tell you I, why I you lucky. are. Can I expand before you introduce Carlos or do I wait? Sure. It's never well, just well, a greeting with you is it? Uh, <laughs> he's always the story He's effectively introduced you Carlos but that's that's all good. Thanks Rodrigo. Anything that stops him talking you can introduce me anytime <laughs> you want Exactly. Okay. Welcome to Carlos Alberto Warren, what were you going to say? I was only coming in because <laughs> one of the teams I support didn't actually lose in the last week. Oh yes If Liverpool had lost this morning I'd honestly say I wouldn't have come in but because they got a draw It was a moral loss It was a moral loss uh, you know what? The way they've been going. Chelsea really won that you game. You know the story. You know, Mane, he, missed, he, he got eliminated from three <laughs> cup competitions in the one week, which is a fair effort. Sounds like your week. No, it does, but I'm happy to be back. Tonight's show is brought to you by Tax Talk, Best on Plumbing, and the Northern Football Academy at St. Monica's College in Epping. So thanks to our sponsors who have been helping us out for, for the last couple of months and... Uh, Really great partners of the Diego's. Thanks for your company tonight. A bit later on, we've got um, Mitch Duke, a former mm. Central Coast Mariner player, now at Shimizu S Pulse in uh, Japan. So looking forward What's to speaking. S Pulse mean? Do you know? Uh, I'm looking forward to speaking <laughs> with him. And <laughs> question without notice. Yeah. Yeah. Just ignore him. Yeah, I was. Yeah, I know. You did it beautifully, yeah. by the way, too. And we've got uh, Listeners, Mike, ignore him. <laughs> Mike McGrath coming it's up. It's always interesting. Rodrigo, me. S Pulse. Um, in the green room. Warren thought it was uh, deodorant. <laughs> yeah, that's he right. He said he's S-Pulse deodorant. S-Pulse deodorant. I can imagine Mitch Duke actually advertising the S-Pulse deodorant for the club. That's a very good question to ask him, uh, Warren. I bet so, you he does. Do you reckon he knows? Well, well just ask well, him. Ask him. <laughs> we, we interview him. Ask him. That's what the interview is all about. Oh, okay, no This worries. is not the interview yet. <laughs> it's the pre-interview interview. Warren exactly. seems to think that uh, you're just going to be talking to Mitch by yourself, yeah. uh, Rodrigo. Well, and, and, you Warren know, seems to think we're him. still in the green room chatting about the show. Are we on air? <laughs> We're on air. We've got, uh, did I say we've got Mike McGrath as well? We've got oh, him coming up talk a little to bit Mike. later on. And, um, and we'll also talk to uh, somebody from the FFE, Anthony mm. Grimmer, very, very, very shortly about the um, FIFA Pushkas uh, Award Tour <laughs> <laughs> of regional Victoria. I was going so well until Warren. Until Warren, beautiful. Until Warren yeah, you know, know. just interrupts. But uh, hey, uh, we'll also do the Q&A as well. It's uh, four minutes, uh, nine past 11. Thank you very much, and uh, we're going to go, we're going to cross to, uh, hopefully it's in Bendigo, because uh, today uh, the FIFA Pushkas Award Tour of Regional Victoria was handled by the Football Federation Victoria, and they've done a wonderful job uh, promoting the uh, Pushkas Award, and um, we're going to talk to the FFV GM of Commercial and Media, a good friend of the Diego's, Anthony Grimmer. Anthony, welcome to the show. Hey guys, how are you? Yeah, very well. So, you've been at Geelong, you've been at Ballarat today, and you've been to Bendigo. 
have you refueled the helicopter? Because <laughs> you're off to Morwell tomorrow, aren't you? <laughs> uh, we we certainly are. It's been a very very long day, uh, but uh, well worth it. Um, yeah. Oh, what can I say? What an honour and a privilege uh, it's been to really take this award out to Victoria. Um, it's an initiative that a great initiative that's been led by uh, Robert Beltecki, um and as the uh, trustee for the um, the, the Pushkas Foundation. Um, and obviously, um, it's been uh, something that's been um, uh, because of the Victorian um, government as well, and and a uh, present from the government of Hungary. Um, look, I, I just think it's been amazing the reception that we've had from the regional centres. We took it out to Geelong this morning uh, to Karaya Soccer Club, um, strong Hungarian community there. It was like uh, bringing Pushkas himself to the club. That's how that's how strong the reception was, and. They were very respectful. We had Steve Horvath there as well saying a few words. Um, the member Geelong, of Geelong, uh, Christine Cousins, was there as well. So, um, look, it was just great. And uh, the good thing was I had uh, a car full of uh, Hungarian food uh, that I could take to, uh, <laughs> to, to Ballarat and uh, Bendigo as well. So... Fan- no, just amazing. Fantastic. And it's Carlos. Uh, those people out there who wonder, I mean, uh, Ferenc Puskas was one of the best players we've ever seen in the game, in the history of the game. He, you know, in, in today's terms, he'd be up there with the Messis and the, uh, you know, the Ronaldos in previous generations, Maradonas and Palais, just one of the greatest players. But we were privileged here in Melbourne, in Australia, by having Puskas actually come and coach the, you know, the great South Melbourne team in the old NSL. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Yeah, that's right. I mean, it's quite a unique football legacy he really brought to Australia um, nearly three decades ago now when he coached South Melbourne um, to uh, in the National Soccer League from 1989. Um, and uh, he actually had championship success with them in 1991 back at the uh, former Olympic Park Stadium. So um, the good thing is, in addition to the um, FIFA Pushcuts Award being here, um, they're actually going to commemorate a statue in his honour at the former Olympic uh, Park site, which is uh, just over at Gosh's Paddock there. So that's going to be um, done on Saturday. So it's a very significant event uh, and and one that uh, is quite fitting also, uh, given we've just also um, passed uh, 10 years since uh, French Bushes' passing as well. Now, Anthony, can you explain the award just a little bit more? Are there nominations at the moment or is it just the award that you're sort of taking around uh, to various uh, destinations? No, so this is the award um, uh, that is a, is a, um, has just been won. Um, winners of, of the winners of the trophy um, in the past have been the likes of Ronaldo, um, Ibrahimovic, Neymar, and even Rodriguez. So it's quite a, a, it's given to the most beautiful girl, uh, most beautiful goal in the world. Um, so uh, yeah, we're very fortunate to have it here in Victoria. And Anthony, is that decision about? The goal is that a FIFA decision, and is there some understanding as to are goals nominated or are they selected, and then there's a, a short list? How is the the process in terms of selecting the most beautiful goal take place? Uh, it's um, it, it takes place uh, with with the uh, the Balloon d'Or and, and and those type of awards. So um, I think it's shortlisted um, from the year um, yep. and. Uh, yeah, just uh, voted voted by, uh, I think, the players and the coaches themselves as well. So. And Anthony, if let's say, for example, uh, Ronaldo wins it this year again, is there any chance of getting him out to Morwell? 
<laughs> no chance, really. <laughs> Apparently, he likes a big car full of Hungarian food. You'll, you'll travel for that. He might. He actually might buy Loy Yang Power Station and actually start it again. <laughs> but um, Anthony, I was I was interested. Did you have a Did you have a sense of the type of response that you'd get by taking it out to these regional locations in Victoria? And if you did, have you been surprised by the response that you've actually got in terms of, I suppose, knowledge of Pushkas and also just that sense of understanding, you know, the history and his, his involvement in the game, both worldwide and in Australia? Well, certainly uh, when going to Geelong was very evident the impact that he made on the Hungarian community there. Um, you know, there, there was a lady uh, who came up to me there and she said, you know, Pushkas and his wife Elizabeth stayed over at her place when, when he was here. And, uh, you know, just the, the fact that he was such a great guy uh, down to earth, he was, you know, just the goodwill and, and, and kind-hearted person he was and by being, you know, treating everybody with respect and just being so down to earth. Um, but even going through to today in, uh, in Ballarat and Bendigo, you know, a lot of people, a lot of people are aware. And, and I think, obviously, he's going to resonate more with the South Melbourne fans and, and those who follow the club. I mean, our own president, um, Tim Montaliadoris also was fortunate enough to play for South Melbourne um, in 1991 when they won the championship. Um, so, you know, there's a lot of there's a lot of respect there. A lot of people who who really uh, appreciated the, the impact there, and it, it was great to talk to them today in, oh. in Ballarat and Bendigo as well, not just in, in Metro. So we're, we're also going to be um, taking the award to the FV Community Shield tomorrow night and the MPL season launch, which is over at Kingston Heath, and that's fitting because South Melbourne. We'll be playing against Bentley Greens at Kingston Heath tomorrow night as well. So we'll have um, uh, have them uh, present for that. That's perfect. So, I mean, the deference that yeah, FFV have shown, you know, Pushkas uh, is entirely appropriate. So congratulations. You're off to Morwell uh, tomorrow. You're obviously staying You're staying in Bendigo tonight, which is one of my old stomping grounds there for a little while. So uh, Listen to Midnight to Dawn Radio, Anthony. You might, uh, there might be a bit of a playback of Rodrigo. A couple, of, uh, couple of good discos there in 1988. I've got no idea about now. But, uh, but uh, Anthony, thanks for your time tonight. And uh, as always, uh, we'll talk to you again soon. Thanks for having me, guys. There's Anthony Grimmer, the uh, GM of uh, Commercial Media at FFE, um, on the Pushkas Award tour of Regional Victoria Roadshow. There was a famous uh, image of uh, Kim Doris scoring a goal for South Melbourne and running to the bench where Pushkas was on the bench. And he, he, he was a big man, by the way, by the, you know, uh, when he was coaching South Melbourne. He, he, wasn't, he, sort of, he let himself go a little bit, right? in a good paddock, But Carlos. he just sat down. We all do, Carlos. Yeah, we all yeah, let ourselves get, go. He wouldn't get up. He just sat down and Kim Doris came up, gave him a bit of a hug, but also pointed to the boot or the foot that he kicked the goal with because it was his opposite foot. And Pushkas used to always be on his back about using his <laughs> other foot. <laughs> and uh, so Kimon uh, was able to learn something from the great man and he actually put it into practice. I quite like the concept of a, a road show tour, Carlos. Is there any chance we could do <laughs> such a thing? Like Morwell? Like Morwell? We yeah. could we could do, you know, we could... You would know. be our man in Morwell no, if actually, you You're very Warren. big in Craigieburn after your last <laughs> yeah. holiday. They love you there too. Yeah. Anyway, if, you're, uh, if you've got a sportsman's <laughs> night got... uh, coming up, the Diego's oh, will be... Or Rodrigo, <laughs> if there's a... If there's a station that wants us, wants us mm. to do midnight to dawn across regional Victoria, yeah, we've got nah. the expertise to do that. No, we don't. We mm. 
pretty much do it here. Perhaps Warren can go on a one-man road Just show. <laughs> very quickly. Sorry, Rodrigo. Did Alan Davidson play? Was Puskas the coach at South Melbourne? No, no. Uh, Alan was a little bit... Uh, I think it was either at Melbourne Knights then or was over in Malaysia. Okay. Mm. Hey, we need to take a break now because after the break, we've got Mitchell Duke coming up right here on the Four Diego's on 1116 SEN, Melbourne's home of football. Willie Irvine, a prison guard who survived being taken hostage for 18 hours at work, scored the winning goal for Alloa in the third round of the Scottish Cup. The goal won him a £500 holiday, but Irvine gave the prize to a nurse who was held hostage with him. She deserves this more than I do, he said. A break would have been nice, but I've had my footballer see me through this difficult time. Jeez, I love this game. This is the Four Diego's. And you come to me on a summer breeze. Keep me warm in your love, then you Thanks for your company on this Wednesday night edition of the Four Diego's. Uh, interesting to talk about uh, Ferenc Pushkas, of course, and um, I'm going to the unveiling of the uh, statue at uh, Olympic Park. Are you lifting the uh, Are you lifting the sheet <laughs> off the statue? No, no, I'll be there because I hear there's light refreshments. Okay. So. <laughs> I'm with the party pies at the launch tomorrow night too. The uh, the charity shield between South Melbourne and Bentley. <laughs> oh, I'll be there. I'll be there, and uh, I'll look at the award there myself. Uh, you know, but I'll have my fair share of party pies too. And uh, Rodrigo. To all the kiddies out there, they, they need to sort of... I know that it's easy to Google and YouTube CR7 mm. and Ibrahimovic and stuff like that, but Pushkas yep. and De Stefano, they, they were the glory days. They were the guys who just sort of invented the game in many ways. Mm, they absolutely were. So looking forward to that. But uh, now we're going to go all the way to Japan and catch up with a former Central Coast Mariner star and now uh, star of Shimizu S Pulse uh, in Japan. It's Mitchell Duke. G'day, Mitch, and welcome to the Four Diego's. Hey, how you going, boys? Yeah, very well, mate. It's Rodrigo Rodriguez. We've got Vinny Venezuela, Carlos Alberto Diego, and Warren. Um, hey, thanks for your time, mate. You you did an ACL last year, didn't you? In April, H- how's all that going? And how and, and are you ready for the for the new season ahead? Yeah, I did unfortunately um, back in April, um, but I had a great recovery period. To be fair, uh, they do say six to nine months usually, but um, I came back fully fit and and joined the team after five. Five months, so which was a really big, uh, I think, a reward for everything I did in the in the recovery period. And uh, yeah, it was, a, it was a tough year, but um, ready, feeling good, and got through preseason so far. Still surviving. <laughs> <laughs> now, Mitch, Vinnie Venezuela here. Good to speak with you. Going over to Japan, tell us about sort of the impact that had in terms of your expectations and what it was like arriving from your previous club. Yeah, I, I did expect a, 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 a holiday. Um, as with the Mariners, I was playing ACL every year um, for about four years. I think I was there. So, um, and obviously, every time we versed one of the J League uh, opponents, they were top class. And uh, when I first arrived, I, I didn't expect them to be that good. To be honest, the first three months, or maybe not three months, but six weeks, took me a good good amount of time to adapt. Uh, I was pretty much chasing chasing shadows. <laughs> Um, but yeah, it's been an unbelievable top level, and uh, I've definitely improved since I've been here. And uh, lifestyle easy to adapt to, to be honest. Uh, the people are just so amazing, and the, and the culture is just so great here. So it's been an easy transformation. Now, Mitch, um, you've experienced the longest pre-seasons in world football in the A League, <laughs> so you're an expert at pre-seasons. I'm just wondering, 
what's the comparison between a, a preseason for the Japanese competition and say an A-League preseason other than maybe the length is about half as long? Yeah, the good thing is that it is half as long, but um, unfortunately the Japanese do fit in their sessions to make up for it. So um, they they pretty much do doubles almost every day, where in the A-League you have that bit of luxury where you can maybe, you know, you can do that slow kind of build-up where, where here they just pretty much all guns blazing as soon as you get on your first day back from pre-season. So we went into a six-day camp straight away into Okinawa and it was literally just double sessions every single day. Um, so you got to make sure you, you don't relax too much on your holiday. <laughs> Mitch, it's Carlos. Uh, I mean, I still remember you as a, and it wasn't that long ago, it was only a couple of years ago at Central Coast Mariners, a young, powerful forward who relied a lot on your strength and uh, and your, just your speed off the mark and your sharpness in and around the box. Uh, being picked up by a Japanese club, because I know you trialled at West Ham for a while, and I thought that might have suited you, the British sort of a game, because they rely on those sort of target men. What did the Japanese seeing you? I know you scored a goal for Australia in against Japan. Uh, was it a matter of the way you finished that goal, or was there something else they saw in you? And and what have they done to sort of re, sort of refine your game since you've been over there? Yeah, I think uh, you know back in the days where obviously I, I I was lucky enough to obviously play for Australia and stuff like that. I'll I'll definitely say I was quite raw as a player back then, um, and I had a lot to lot to learn and improve on. And uh, Japan's been the perfect, perfect place for that because the, the technicality of the players over here is just incredible. Um, so, you know, I had those those bits of learning experiences. Like you said, I went to West Ham and, and the British game definitely, I feel like, would suit me. But um, at that time, it was more for just for the learning experience and just to, just to grow as a player and see what kind of level I have to be at to play there. And, um, you know, since coming to Japan, I've, I've definitely improved that that side of my game. I've slowed my game down a bit as well. I used to be quite <laughs> erratic at times, just chasing... Marauding, of... marauding. <laughs> <laughs> so, and uh, yeah, it's been, uh, it's been a good change though. I've, I've definitely learned a lot and I've changed a lot as a player and I feel like I'm better for it. Um, but yeah, uh, my main influence for coming to Japan was they actually made contact with me. I scored a, a double against Melbourne City and... Uh, in the January transfer like time, um, just before the Asian Cup was starting, and uh, it was a good time for them where they started to they got a bit of interest and they they came to watch my game against Adelaide and they actually saw firsthand what what they could do with me and they liked what they saw. So yeah, just haven't looked back since. Mitch, you mentioned that, uh, the, and as we know, the Japanese sort of style of football, they're very technically proficient. Do players come to these clubs technically proficient? Uh, no, I'm sure they do. But is it nurtured in a particular way in the training sessions that is different to the sessions that you would have done in the A-League? Yeah, I, I think a, a lot of it comes down to more so the youth development here in Japan where I've... Uh, my eyes really opened up when I went to go watch literally like under 13s, 14s, Japanese teams, and you just see such a big difference in level of technicality between those younger players. They're like playing back to their goalkeeper, and you know, just they're just so technically gifted, and they just know like you know, dummy no look passes and you know, little things like that. Where um, you know, so when you when they pretty much get to 18, 19, they pretty much know the game. So. The technical level of them, just the control, their passing, and, and, and that kind of part of their game is just on the next level compared to, obviously, you know, A-League, I'd say, on that side of things is is probably not as good as Japan. But, um, 
the only thing lacking in Japan is the physicality of it, which I think is why they also like my kind of player, where I can sort of I have that advantage with the height, speed, power. Now, Mitch, I'm I'm renowned for asking the hard hitting questions <laughs> on the panel. I'm I'm intrigued by what S pulse means. If you can clarify for me, we've actually were discussing off air. We thought it might have been a deodorant of some description <laughs> or something. Are you able to tell us what the S pulse in your club actually stands no, for, and if it or if it has a meaning? No, it doesn't have a meaning. I think it's just a, just an add-on to their to their name, really. To okay. be honest, um, they have their fan base is called sort of the S Pulse Ultras and stuff. But other than that, I couldn't I couldn't tell you okay. what it no worries. What it really means. We'll make something up then <laughs> and just say it off air. <laughs> Mitch, no I'm I'm interested. You're a striker. You've obviously you know you score goals. You've done a few goal celebrations. You would have done the thumb sucking celebration. <laughs> you know, you've probably done the rocking the baby celebration. Have you introduced the bowing to the celebration? Because it's a bowing culture in Japan. Have you added that to your sort of uh, repertoire of celebrations? Yeah, I actually was going to do that last year, but one of the one of my strike partners actually um, did that before me, so I didn't want to copy him. Oh. <laughs> nothing enough. worse than that. There's nothing worse than that. Now, Mitch, nah, that's it. Uh, so, yeah. so, so we ran over because we're good friends with the translator, so we ran over. Uh, so was that when you introduced the roundhouse yeah. kick celebration? <laughs> yeah, well, after my ACL, I don't want to do anything too stupid now. <laughs> Fair enough. Now, Mitch, uh, I know you've become really close, when you, especially when you come from another country and you're playing for a, for a foreign team. You know, the club becomes more family. And uh, I noticed in your list there's uh, Yong Tae Si, the uh, North, North Korean uh, superstar who I think is one of the few players who's actually left who's been allowed to leave North Korea and survived to play to play in another country. Now, when he invites you back home for for the long weekend, <laughs> do, you, do you get over to North Korea with him and you know just hang out with him over there? Well, he was actually born here in Japan, so oh. um, yeah, he, he, I don't think he gets over there too much. But I think he, he's played a few caps for the North Korean national team, though. So. Um, I, I have asked a few questions about it, and he said it's it's real brutal. And uh, <laughs> some of the things he's copped since also playing in South Korea, and, and you know, just all the uh, I guess racial kind of things that he, he he dealt with on that side as well was was quite tough. But um, him as a player is just uh, unbelievable. Got the Golden Boot and MVP of the league last year in the J2, so he's uh, he's really great to have around anyway. Now, Mitch, uh, Shimizu, I think, were relegated for the first time in their history uh, back in 2015. They came back straight away. Uh, what was what was the feeling like when the team was relegated? I mean, I know that we talk about the culture of Japan, you know, the humiliation and shame around things. Was there a sense of that around their failure that year? And what did they do to get it right for you guys to come straight back up in one year? Oh, definitely. Like, that's probably one thing about the Japanese people where they are so passionate about and they take so many so much pride in, in what they do and uh, it really hurt them a lot obviously being relegated in the first time of their history so um but uh they were so good about it they they also didn't see it as in you know what you guys got relegated we're going to clean out the whole team they actually tried to keep everyone as as much as they could um you know they, they sort of see it as a family kind of thing like you know we went down as a family we want to get back up as a family and uh, credit to all the boys last season, we, we did that. So it's a really proud moment for them. And you could see that, that last game that we won and we got automatic promotion. They were, they were literally bawling their eyes out, which is really nice to see. 
Hey, so Mitch, it's great to hear that you're training the house down as well after your ACL, because everyone trains the house <laughs> down in the pre-season. But um, yeah. so yeah, you, you've been doing that. We know that. We're hearing it every yeah. time we hear about. We speak Japanese. We read Japanese. Yeah, yeah, we watch right. Japanese TV, we, and we make it up too. So, <laughs> yeah. oh, someone asked me about Mitch. I said he's training the house down. <laughs> training the house down. Yeah. <laughs> so, what are your goals um, this year? You know, obviously, it's just to get back. But, but you know, what do you hope to achieve this year from a personal perspective? Yeah, well, currently it's actually a, an interesting situation for me. I've only got six months left on my contract, so um, for, for me that's a bit of extra motivation to really succeed in uh, this, this preseason, first of all, to get hopefully a starting spot for the first game, which is on the 25th, 25th of February. So um, it's really um, my main aim is to score double digits, so 10 goals in 17 games, So, which is a big target to reach, especially in the J-League. But... Um, you know, you may as well set your goals high. And, and Mitch, uh, yeah, I'm hoping that, that that can set me up uh, in a good part for the summer. And Mitch, when you're not on the park, do you just get around in a kimono and a, like a <laughs> sumo wrestler bun on your head and and, and sort of how is the how is it culturally gone for you? Are you at a sort of walking the streets in Japan and and I don't know ordering whale and stuff like that, or <laughs> are there things you just don't no, do? No, no, no. I don't, I, I don't mix it up too much like that. Um, I, I love, I love going to see the culture and all that, but I definitely not want a kimono or anything like that. Now. They're very um, liberating. You should try. Yeah. They're starting to wear them in Gosford a lot now. <laughs> there, Mitch. <laughs> Mate, look, just, no, thinking of me, are they? <laughs> Mate, just in closing, um, how good is your agent? Because Trent Sainsbury's got a really great agent. He's gone just, uh, as you know, he's a former teammate of yours in Central Coast. He's gone from being a really high-paid footballer in China uh, to now transferring for the rest of the season on loan to Inter Milan. So um, it, it's, it, it, the agent must be a really good agent. And also, it, look, it's, it's ob- quite obvious that uh, the world's eyes is what, on what's happening in, uh, in uh, Asian football too. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Well, China's attracting so much attention just because they're pretty much, yeah, just throwing the cash out there and, and you know, taking the big stars away from, you know, the, the big leagues around the world. So they're obviously going to get a, a lot of attention. And uh, I think uh, lucky enough for Sainz, to be honest, he was in a, he was going to be in a tough situation with all the stars that he's he's got. And with their new rule, with three players only being allowed to play, um, it was a smart move for him to get out there. So, um yeah, he he came to my wedding actually on the fifth of January, and I was able to have him catch up with him. And he was he was already dreading, uh, you know, wasn't too sure about what was going to happen this year. So I think uh, everything's worked out really well, and credit to his agent and uh, what he's got around him. So uh, hopefully, I can get there one day. Well, let's hope he gave you a really nice present. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the wishing well was quite. Cool. Oh, that's good. That's good. That's good. Maybe you need to. Did he bring his agent? Maybe you need to just. Uh, anyway, you, you love your agent, don't you? you? You love your agent, of course. Hey, um, Mitch, really appreciate your time. It's always good to talk to uh, players. You know, you you were uh, you know a, a player when you played at Central Coast that uh, we all had our eyes on, and uh, it's good to hear you know a bit of an update from you. And uh, you know, we hope that there are bigger honours ahead for you. Yeah, thanks a lot for your time, guys. Really appreciate it. It's good to have a chat. Yeah, likewise. There's Mitchell Duke. Uh, Star of Shimizu S. Paulson, former Central Coast Mariners player. Good to talk uh, to a player like that who who we remember, um, mm. you know, for Central Coast Mariners. Hey, let's take a break now and come back with uh, the Q&A. We'll talk about all of those uh, transfers and we'll also talk a bit about the derby coming up very shortly on the Four Diego's on 1116 SEN, Melbourne's home of sport. 
The last time West Bromwich Albion won the league championship was 1919. The last time they finished in the top two was 1954. Hey, any team can have a bad century. This has been a sad coaching moment by the four Diegos. It's time for the Q&A. Yes, it's time for the Q&A, as I said, and uh, there's been an action-packed show so far. Good talking to uh, Mitchell Duke then. Um, you know, good lad. Um, he was a star there for a, for a couple of years in the uh, A-League. Obviously got national honours as well, played in the South East Asian Cup and scored a couple of goals as well and uh, got spotted by the Jap- Japanese then. So, hey, um, let's talk about some of the some of the stuff. We, talk, we briefly talked about Trent Sainsbury mm. off to Inter Milan on loan mm. from his Chinese, Chinese Super League club. So... That's huge, isn't it? I mean, well, is there is there any mystery to that? I see you downplay it. Did they just spot him and say well, look, we need him as a defender? Because he will probably be the only player in world football history to be loaned by a Japanese, by, sorry, by a Chinese club to an Italian city at club. That's true. It's, it's usually the other way around, yeah, right? <laughs> so, look, I think what played a bit of a part. And by the way, let's qualify this first. Uh, Trent Sainsbury will be a 10-year Socceroo. He's 25 years old. Already, you know, he's a modern type of centre-half where, you know, if you're looking for some of the great centre-halves in world football, he's, got, he's in that mould, right? He's not there yet as a, one of the great centre-halves, but he's going to be, a, by the end of his career, he's going to be one of our really, really good players. So, And he's, he's, he's very, very well suited to Italian football too. But I think what has prompted this was the, fa- the fact that the, the Chinese have gone from a four plus one rule with foreigners, which is four foreigners from anywhere around the world, plus one that has to be from the Asian Confederation, to now five uh, without the plus one. So they can get five foreigners from around the world. And uh, that means, you know, someone... And they can only play three of them, by the way. And then they've got to play two under-23 local Chinese players. Uh, They've got to have them in the squad. One's got to be in the team sheet. So suddenly it starts squeezing out players who are foreigners. And uh, I think it's something that's... It helps the club not having that issue about having foreigners doing nothing. And also, the other thing, Inter Milan is also owned by the owners of uh, Jiangsu Sunnings too. So, um, yeah, so I think there's a few little other things that come into this, but it's a fantastic opportunity for him. That's That's probably a big one. Yeah. It, that probably helps quite quite, yeah. quite a lot there, Rodrigo. But at the end of the day, they've got to look at the player and they've got to like what they see. Otherwise, they say no. Yep, that's true. And um, uh, Milos Degenek as well is um, moving from his club in Germany, 1860 Munich, to uh, Yokohama Marinos. So uh, that's an interesting move for him. At least he's going to a you know a very respectable club and a, in a very respectable league, of course. So, well, um, 1860 but, Munich, I mean, he was, a, he was a good player. Oh, look, I think he played 40 times, around 40 times in a couple of years for them. So he's playing most games for them. Uh, well respected, obviously got picked up by Ange as a Socceroo, and he started representing Australia too at the top level. Um, he just—he's one of those modern defenders also, and you know, Japan is a technically very, very strong competition. So they don't pick up players who can't play. So I think that's really great for his development. So I just see any of these players that move. I like to see them moving to a league where they're going to get better. Sainsbury's going to get better in Italy. Uh, Dejanek, I think, will be will be better as a especially on the ball in Japan. Uh, but when you talk about someone like a Robbie Cruz going from Bundesliga to you know um, to China, 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 that's just for the money. 
I mean, that, that's not going to make him a better football. He wouldn't say that. No, of course, and his agent wouldn't say that either, but it is for the money. They wouldn't be going there. They wouldn't be leaving the Bundesliga for any other reason for other than... And by the way, there's, Carlos, no, there's nothing cynical, wrong with Carlos, it. You're no, cynical, Carlos. No, no, Craig, Craig by the way, I applaud them. He's permanently yeah, no, cynical. No, I applaud not them. even temporary. You go no, where the cash is, no, to, I to applaud, a degree. I applaud them because they've got to look after themselves. Yeah, that's no, fair enough. But is it, is it possible now, Carlos, given the amount of money that China is, is sort of throwing at players and given the amount of money that uh, is attracting players to China, that the quality of the... Chinese leagues is is such that you can actually come at, come out of China a better player because you're going to be playing with Tevez and whoever. Well, uh, Trent Sainsbury did say that every second game is against a world star that's you know, either from Brazil or high profile players mm. that are played high up in Europe, maybe on the downward spiral with it with their career, but they're still really good players. So he says from an individual man marking point of view, he was learning all the time, but generally the standard is still not up to it. And, you know, everyone talks about that. So to get the standard of a whole team and then a whole league up to a European standard, a lot of work and a lot of years of experience and know-how have got to go into that. And Tommy Urich as well as um, Reading have uh, into him a little bit uh, from his club in uh, Switzerland, Luzerne. So. Yeah, well, he's halfway through a two-year contract. So the, the transfer window shut just last night, was it? So I haven't yeah. heard anything. I mean, there was talk about... Uh, offer being made, but I haven't heard anything about him actually being signed by Reading. No, I but, didn't hear anything. But it's a good sign that he, someone like him gets picked up. He's a big, strong guy, could probably play in a technical league or a, in the championship. And Reading's knocking on the door of the EPL anyway. They're up, I think, third. They are. So yep. they're doing pretty well. Can, well. can you sort of have your fingers jammed in the window and not actually get out because it's just closed? You know, so close and yeah. yet so far. And it's yeah. good to hear that Matty Ryan, who's not getting a... Wasn't yeah. getting a lot of game time at Valencia. Is off to um, Gink. back, yeah, back mm. to Belgium where yeah. where he played. They love him there. Yeah, they love him. He was goalkeeper of the year a few years ago. He, they just love him. I've got to say, the name Gink really doesn't. <laughs> I think I like S Pulse a bit more. Warren, what about you? <laughs> yeah, it's, it sounds like a better deodorant than, <laughs> than Gink, Gink, doesn't it? <laughs> I wear Gink. <laughs> I'm wearing some Gink today. <laughs> is that Gink, Rodrigo? Yes. <laughs> Can't you smell it, Vinny? <laughs> hey, um. Just uh, before we go on, um, why are we erecting a statue of Ferenc Puskas uh, instead of one of our own Aussie football legends like Viduka, Wade or Johnny Warren, etc.? The statue is actually um, presented to the people of Victoria by the government of Hungary. Yeah. So um, it would have been a bit rude to say, mm. no, thank you. No, no. And, but, we, and uh, we were one and of four countries. And it's not are. like Pushkas didn't have anything to do with Australia. He, he mm. loved Australia. He coached South Melbourne. They loved him. He left a real legacy here, especially with the, the one likes things, of Trimboli. One Things. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, t- t- yeah, Taliodorus Trimboli. Some of our greats that have gone on since. But Bootsianis. Uh, were coached by this guy. So that he has had a long, he did have a long uh, and distinguished relationship with Australia and especially with the Greek community here in Australia. Hey, looking forward to the derby this weekend. Um, obviously, Melbourne City versus uh, Melbourne Who, Victory. Who's going to be scared enough to win? <laughs> so so it's, a, it's the... Um... It's the loser's derby at the moment. <laughs> okay. How are you feeling about that, Warren, though? Just very quickly before we go to a break. I'm you... not confident. I'm not confident. I'm... This whole and I wasn't I couldn't come on because of the announcement last week with regards to the uh, the, to coaching. the to the coaching. So that's one of the reasons. No, no, you, you, you don't like Mike Volcanis. I don't know. I don't know what's wrong. They're 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 Melbourne City. They permanently are under threat from any counter attack, any type of pace or counter attack defensively. They're shot. Soft, they're 
They're very, they're very similar to Liverpool in that fact they monster possession, but don't get enough shots on goal ever. And that's it. collectively, despite the fact that they are individually talented, they're just not getting. And I mean, they were talking about crosses. So, sorry, I think Warren, there were twenty-two respect, crosses. With respect, with respect, you flatter them by saying that they're similar to Liverpool. Well, they're, they're not think, there. I think they've had 44 crosses into the box in the last two games and have scored a couple of goals. And So, to me, I don't know what George Falcanis is actually going to... Sorry, <laughs> Tommy, Tommy. Tommy. Shane. Shane. I'm not Shane, sure if they can turn it around. <laughs> Kevin. But something, something needs to happen. Yeah, but look, but this, this weekend, it's a different game because victory won't sit back. They don't know how to sit back. Suddenly there'll be openings everywhere. Yeah, yeah. So if they're on their game, they'll be competitive against victory tonight. Uh, and uh, the Fort Diego's final whistle returns after the game. It'll be, and I'll derby. be there. I'm and you'll be, you'll be free reign. No, Carlos. No, that's uh, just celebration oh, territory. No, I'll miss you, boys. Carlos at a town hall. He's yeah. at a town hall. Yeah, actually, secret town hall. I'm actually at the town hall meeting this Saturday yes. night. You are. So yes. let, let's uh, getting all the inside information. So we're back at ten o'clock on Saturday night. But let's take a break now because we've got Mike McGrath coming up right after this on the Four Diego's on eleven sixteen SEN, Melbourne's home of sport. Manchester United star Rio Ferdinand is to the adherence of worldwide drug testing procedures what the Dalai Lama is to the proliferation of weapons of mass destruction. This has been a sad coaching moment by the Four Diego's. Thanks for your company tonight. Uh, we really appreciate it. Uh, we've spoken to Anthony Greenman from FFV. We've spoken to Mitchell Duke. And uh, right now it's time to cross to the UK and catch up with our man, Mike McGrath, in the UK. G'day, Mike, and welcome to the show. Hi, guys. Thanks for having me on. Yes, uh, Mike, of course, is from The Sun in the UK. You can check out all his uh, writings, his stylings, as they used to say, at <laughs> thesun.co.uk. Rodrigo here, uh, Vinny Venezuela, Warren's here as well, and Carlos, uh, Vinny Venezuela. Mike, uh, in a post-truth Trump world, <laughs> in a world of Brexit where things don't make sense, is the fact that Arsenal lose to Watford just a bit of normality? <laughs> uh, it seems pretty normal, actually. <laughs> uh, just the, 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 Arsenal, the Arsenal collapse that we normally wait for after Christmas. Sometimes it comes in February, but this one was just before, really, so... Inevitably, they, they've, they've fallen away every year since 2004, but it was just a spectacular um, collapse yesterday in the first half against Watford. So I think, unfortunately for them, it looks like game over in terms of um, getting that first title in a long time. Yeah, Mike, it's Carlos. Uh, look, mate, you're just a young journo. You really are. <laughs> you're just a young journo. A you're, you're a brilliant journo, oh. but just young. Uh, with experience, you'd know that they're up against <laughs> Chelsea this weekend and they'll beat Chelsea. That's the sort of club they are. <laughs> yeah, I, yeah. I, I remember Van Persie banging in a few against them at Stamford Bridge as well. But even if they do beat them, you know, it's it's the Arsenal way to, to them fall short, um, <laughs> you know, later on and probably wouldn't win in those, you know, the, the ones like Middlesbrough away or, um, you know, West Brom. They, they, they're the ones that that they can slip up on at any, you know, whereas Chelsea have that air of professionalism about them and, and businessman-like way in away games and, you know, Arsenal just, you know, you just wonder whether they've got the leadership um, on the pitch. Obviously, they didn't have it in the dugout yesterday because Wenger was in the stands, but 
you just wonder whether they they just seem that little bit short again. And like, like I said, it, it has an air of an inevitability about it. And Mike, uh, do we know if Wenger has uh, assaulted anyone in the stands now? <laughs> he's further back, but I suspect he's just as angry. I think he got his he kept his hands to himself. Apparently, <laughs> it was uh, it was. Uh, I mean, I, I actually quite like I, you know to see a guy in his late sixties get kind of riled up and and you know ready to um, you know try and clock a, an official because he's so passionate about <laughs> winning or or you know not losing um, and getting the right decisions. I think it's quite. Good. I think he should probably calm down a bit. But I think it's quite good to see. I, I, you know, people say, is he going to retire? And you know, is it the time? Is it the time for him to step aside? But I mean, the way he is on the on the pitch or on the, in the dugout, and you hear about him still still um, watching videos till four in the morning of, um, of of footage from the German league or whatever. You know, you think that maybe he's, he's got some uh, petrol in the tank um, left in his career. That's what he says he's doing. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Mike, um, I wasn't on last week because I refused to come on until Liverpool actually qualified for a competition of some description without losing. But I was interested. It was a pretty cagey game, Liverpool-Chelsea this week. And really, I think Chelsea were really pragmatic about the way they played and understood where they sat on the ladder and what they could allow or what they were prepared to allow Liverpool to do. Mike, my, my question for you is more about Jurgen Klopp. Now, after two seasons, he's got the best record against any of the top teams. I'm wondering if there is any discussion about how they can play as poorly as what they did despite the, the changes in personnel in the, in the times leading up and then look at the Manchester United game and the Chelsea game and even the Man City game in terms of the performances there. And why the difference, I suppose? And, and is there any explanation for that uh, I mean I I didn't know that he had the best um, record against the top teams but uh, it doesn't surprise me because of the way they play because the way they play to dominate matches like they do they, they totally dominate um, it really does um, it 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 plays into the hands almost of a defensive team who have got a puncher's chance of giving, of knocking them out because they can soak up the pressure and try and nick a goal. Whereas when they're against bigger teams, perhaps they're going blow for blow and, and, and then they can exert themselves on, on that match. So that doesn't really surprise me. I mean, they've been really, really hamstrung by um, Sadio Mane being away for that for that month with the African nations, and I think that selection, you know, that wasn't an, that that uh, was an enforced selection. I think that's hit them uh, the hardest. Regardless of, you know, he obviously changed it against the Wolves and and paid the penalty in in the FA Cup. I think that's that's been the big problem in the last month, and also in general this year. I do think they've been getting away with it. Um, you know, not many title-winning teams have a suspect goalkeeper as good as Mignolet was yep. last night he also conceded one and also at left back yep Mike uh, you know at the Diego's with me in particular you know having talked about FA Cup with me for a few years I, I think the romance has gone out of the FA Cup and it's even further exacerbated by the fact that Huddersfield's drawn Manchester City in the next round of the FA Cup 
And a player that an Australian boy that the, the Man City uh, have is on their list, but loaned to Huddersfield. Aaron Moy, you might know him. He's doing very well there in the championship. Isn't permitted to play by Man City against them in this cup. I mean, are people outraged by that over there? I know it's in his contract and everything. He can't play against Man City. But really, where's the romance? I mean, can't the boy just play against the team that owns him and just, you know, just, you know, the, the fun and the romance around that? I mean, funnily enough, if they were in the Champions League, um, as, as bizarre as that would be to see Huddersfield there, that he'd be allowed because they have a different rule in UEFA. But yeah, it does seem a little unfair. I would prefer it if they could play against um, against City. Uh, you know, so therefore he's he's not only um, he, he can he can help his his parent club by knocking other teams out of the competition, or if he's in the same division winning points against them, but should also be allowed to play um, against them as well. Uh, I think the romance, although it has gone in the last few years, I think this weekend has seen it come back a little bit with um, Sutton United and Lincoln winning. Mm. Um, and I'm just really glad that they're not switching the ties so that Sutton are at Arsenal, because I think that would be an end of all the romance if they if they did that, because I think Sutton... You know, I think it'll be a great day in their in their small um, stadium. Mike, uh, it would be more romantic if our boy Moy played because he is the uh, as Vinny, Vinny coined him. The, he's a pasty Perlo. So, um, but anyway, hey, thanks for your time tonight, Mike, and um, yeah, we'll talk to you again very very soon. No problem. Speak to you soon. There's Mike McGrath from The Sun in the UK. Well, that was an action-packed show tonight, boys. Um, it's over. It is over. We're back for the uh, final whistle on Saturday. No Carlos. 10 without Carlos. Very but, good. Uh, but uh, we'll be there, and our callers and our listeners of course. will be That'll make the show as it always, it always does. does. <laughs> hey, uh, that's it for this week's show, so remember Carlos. We were Puerto Rican girls hang out. We'll, we'll be there. there. Wherever you rumba, samba, and la bamba, we'll, we'll be there. there. Wherever there are girls with thrill on their head and balls their feet, we'll, we'll be, be there. there. Wherever gringos play football, we'll, we'll be, be there. there. We are the 40 Acres. Olay. Olay.